What a fascinating yet challenging time to be a leader. And in this Leading by Nature series, I interview pioneering leaders from diverse organizations, exploring future fit leadership and organizational development. I'm Giles Hutchins, executive coach, senior advisor and author of many books, the latest being Leading by Nature, which explores the inner nature and outer nature of the organization and the inner and outer nature of the leader as they journey toward regenerative futures. Welcome to the Leading by Nature podcast with myself, Giles Hutchins, and my guest today, Derek Moore, founder and CEO of the creative studio Coffee and TV. Thank you, Derek, for being here today with us. Thank you, Giles, for inviting me. I'm excited to follow in the uh, amazing kind of calibre of guests you've already had on the programme. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So we're going to, as always, dive straight in. And if you could start just by sharing a bit about Coffee and TV's reason for being and its its passion and its purpose. Well, um, I think it was started as a bit of an accident, if I'm honest. Uh, there were four of us that were visual effects artists and had been for a long time and, had, you know, sort of slaved away in that industry. And I use slaved away kind of... Um, wisely i think because it was very much a kind of a slave labor industry i think it's to some extent it still is um and you get to a certain age and uh experience i guess where you try to find a better way so we started our own little company not with a view to changing the world or even impacting anyone else at this point it was just almost of self-preservation um we felt like we knew how creativity or our version of creativity was best sort of executed and delivered and we weren't able to do that under the constraints of the sort of corporate culture we were working under um so we just thought we'd have a go at doing it ourselves and actually intended to create more of a lifestyle business like a just a you know a project team that could just work with nice clients on nice projects then kind of have a rest afterwards and kind of recharge and then come back again with energy and enthusiasm so sort of accepting that we wouldn't make as much money but actually having a better quality of life felt like the way forward um and kind of by accident it turned out that that was actually a really healthy and productive way of running a business so um we you know we, we were quite successful early on and then needed to, to find more people and of course um we looked at the people who had uh, the most you know the most talented people that we knew were the ones that were kind of kept down and kind of worked to death and were just not enjoying their lives you know so um we sort of tried to persuade them that we knew a better way and obviously they were relatively skeptical at first but as we've seen over the years more and more people come and when they join us they're kind of like mm, sounds good heard a lot of good things is it really true and actually the sort of the thing that makes me most proud is that after you know three six months people realize that it is actually true and there is a better way and they can have fulfilling careers and lives outside of their careers and that actually helps them to have you know to be better at work to produce better work to be happier healthier more engaged more optimistic all of those things you know you can't put a price on that but actually you kind of can put a price on that at the end of the day it's it's amazing so we've sort of lucked out in being able to find the the win win here like we can you know make it run a really great company a great creative company that makes money and and also you know help people to have fulfilling lives and careers at the same time so i'm really proud of what we've achieved yeah and it is a, we're going to dive more into the the culture what i call the inner nature of the business and the journeys and the learnings that you've been on 
But before we do that, let's just spend a little moment on the outer nature, you know, the context you're finding yourself in. You know, everybody's it's a bit of an interesting time at the moment. And of course, you've also got AI, you know, it's in the press a lot. You and I have been talking about it, how, you know, it obviously brings a bit of a challenge to the industry, but also an opportunity in many ways. How are you finding the outer context in general at the moment for your business? It's it's tough out there. I think the economy is tough. Um, it's uh, nothing's changed in that it's really hard to um, communicate the advantage in producing the very highest quality content. So a lot of clients are trying to save money. Understandably, everyone is. We are as well. Um, and obviously, the marketing budget and the spend on sort of you know the premium quality content is hard to justify um traditionally i would argue that it's actually now's the time to actually double down on that and make the difference um and we do make that argument and we those projects that we win are with clients that understand that um so it's a tough competitive world there's a lot of comp- you know there's a lot of competition of other companies it's kind of a, a cool job right it's a fun thing to do so there are a lot of companies who will uh, who, especially when it's quieter that there's a lot of you know a lot of competition for the remaining work that is out there um so the price is is challenging um, but at the same time, um, we are pretty confident that we have the best artists, the best people, the best, you know, the, the right, the best energy in our organisations to kind of uh, take on all of the challenges, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's an economic downturn, whether it's in high interest rates, all of the things, it's just the business environment. And every, I've, I've been around long enough now to see the, the waves come and go. Um, it's you know we we you know we're we're very we've got such brilliant people and we solve problems every day. Creativity is solving problems, I think. So whether it's a business problem or a creative problem or a you know image problem, we put the best people to it and we generally come out on top. Um, as you say, AI, I think is um, I, you know I'd love to pretend that I had the the knowledge and the answer to what impact that's going to make on our world and in fact everybody's world. Um, I do think we're underestimating its impact in the in both the short and the long term. To be honest, it does seem massively significant to me. Um, I hope that we can use it as a as a tool, as a way of learning and improving, of um, getting. I mean, already we're using it to show to get to a creative uh, point much much faster than we would have done before. The kind of the it's all like our world is all about imagining and dreaming and then trying to find you know visuals that kind of reflect that dream um and of course making those by hand from scratch is really really time consuming and expensive and if we can get to a point of um, being able to communicate with visuals by using ai in its you know generative form then that's a, a huge uh, cost and time saving in in the process of producing great work um i don't subscribe currently to the theory that it's going to take over and everything will be done on ai because the the imagining and the dreaming is the kind of what we do as well so that you know it seems that ai is very good at learning from what it's done before and iterating on that and that is a big part of creativity but the, actually the sweetest part or the most impactful part is imagining something that's never been done before or you've not seen before and that's where the impact really lies and I think that will always be the evolution of a person or a creative person that's going to bring that to the table. But I'm prepared to stand wrong. You know, I'd hate to look back on this podcast in a couple of years' time and kind of go, oh, my God, what was I saying? Um, but at the moment, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm feeling. 
No, I, th- I think that's pretty sensible. You can either race to the bottom of it, can't you, and sort of commodify, or you can recognise that, you know, the, the, the real raison d'etre, the magic of what you're bringing is that, is that imagination. Now, if we turn to, you know, you've obviously got quite a few people, and you can share in a moment how many people you now have working in your organisation. Uh, many of them, if not all, are, are deeply um, yeah, imaginative, creative, and so forth. Traditionally, we know that sometimes... You know that they're not the they're not the type of people to necessarily manage in a top-down way. Now you've been exploring with self-management for some years, and you even flirted with different models like holacracy and so forth. Uh, how would you describe your culture, your values, and how does it work in a sort of self-managing way? Um, yeah, codifying it is has always escaped me. Actually, sort of you know, making the playbook of how we've done it and how to do it again is kind of challenging. Um, you, I've always felt that we're kind of making it up as we go along, which you know, is pro- you know, probably not the best approach, but it's worked for us so far. I think if you get the, the right people in the right situation with the right values, you can empower them, trust them, trust each other to kind of work it out together. It, I think if you prescribe a certain direction or a certain solution, uh, you possibly cutting off all of the other possible opportunities that might have naturally evolved if you let people just flourish. So there's an awful lot of um, no rules, rules to Netflix um, point. Um, our, our values are important to all of us. We set them early on and hold ourselves you know, deeply accountable to them. It's the sort of the foundation on which we hire people and well, I would say fire people, but we've, I don't think we very rarely have to do that. Our retention is, is crazy high. Um, it's uh we, we we look at clients under that lens as well like if they don't fit our values and they don't work well with us then it's not going to be a healthy or happy you know symbiotic relationship so we, we do hold our clients sort of accountable sort of behind the scenes to our values as well um and yeah they're not just post-it notes on the walls trying to remind everybody what they are we all uh, live and breathe them in an unusual way i think it feels to me i think hopefully corporate culture has progressed a bit since last time i worked for somebody else but certainly it wasn't quite so prevalent in those days um and yeah in terms of self-management um this this starts well trust is one of our values so you know it starts with trusting each other um and i would expect people to trust me as i would trust them that whole relationship i think works like beautifully it's very uh stimulating and heartwarming when you realize that you're all in it together and that kind of cynicism or you know certainly when i was employed as a visual effects artist you know there was a healthy healthy perhaps not that healthy cynicism for the management and what they did and whether they had your best interests at heart and whether they were just trying to make a load of money off the sweat that you put into the projects you know i would like to think that that's much less in our organization um we do genuinely have everybody's best interests at heart um and i think everyone knows that um yeah you're right we tried to, you know holacracy trying to there's so many different um really great books and information around how to you know self-managing teams and where to how to structure that stuff and we flirted with things like that with eos the um entrepreneurial operating system from gino winkman i think it is um and you know versions of flavors of things in between the idea being to push the decision making to the point of down, down the tree the, the tree to the point where the most information sits there's no point in an artist asking me whether they can buy this computer with this gpu rendering thing that i now don't know anything about 
um, they should be making that decision because they know the value point. They know what they need for their job much better than I do. So bringing the information down to the point where it makes the biggest difference is kind of the fundamental key. And then obviously trusting and empowering people to make those decisions and also holding them accountable for those decisions. You can't just go and buy loads of stuff and expect no accountability. Um, but um, yeah, we we ended up not really using any of the prescribed systems and kind of building our own. And I'm quite proud of that. It was maybe 18 months ago that uh, my MD, Leonie Morton, kind of came up with this kind of concept. What we've seen in other businesses is your, for example, your your, your sales team, your best sales, best performing salesperson, in order to reward them for being the best performing salesperson, you know, they make, they've made a manager of, say, the sales team, right? And of course, that's a very different role. And then all of a sudden, they're not very good at this management. And then, then they're not doing the selling. And then the sales drop. And then the whole thing spirals. And then we see that in all sorts of different departments. Um, so... We've kind of split that kind of at the, the sort of management functions into different layers. So we have with, for all of the teams, we have we don't really have any middle management, no sort of dedicated people who are managers as such. We have people in operating people who either are really good creatively, in which case they will be what we call creative leads. So if anybody in in sort of silos, if anybody has a creative challenge or an issue, they'll talk to the creative lead in that pod and try and brainstorm the creative solution. We have people leads. So people who, rather than having a manager, in this case, the sales manager, uh, managing people, that may not be a people type person in that, in that traditional sense. So we find people, not necessarily, almost certainly not the most senior person in the team who really just gets the vibe of people and really loves and gets energy from other people. So they become the people lead in that kind of that team. Um, and we have operational leads. So people who actually just you know need to get stuff done, understand the systems and the processes and how it all plugs together. Um, and again, that's a different skill set often to a creative person who, you know, is more imagining and dreaming and kind of should be encouraged to think outside the box and not worry about operational stuff, like just actually how do we make, you know, what's the best vision here? So we've got what we now call is a community structure with this kind of like a, it's like an org chart turned upside up, turned 90 degrees. And then we've got loads of different strands. It's quite complex, but a bit like nature. I think you'll, you'll see it's quite complex, but there's lots of direct points of communications, direct people who have the speciality in each of the relevant areas, if that makes sense. It's fascinating. Of course, it is a bit like nature when we get that emergent process going. And it is heartening to me to hear that whilst you've actually tested and you've explored many different theories and models, that you've actually homegrown your own emergent approach because we're developing an emergent system and it's only natural that it should sort of adapt to your own essence. And, and you're right, um, um, it is complex and, and perhaps even messy, but not necessarily complicated. You know, there is an art to it. You know, actually, yeah. there's a way that people flow with these different roles. And thank you for, you know, identifying the difference between, say, a creative lead with that imagination and ability to think out of the box is very different from an operational lead who actually needs to follow process, which is different from a people lead who needs to, you know, work with the energy, the relational energy. So if we now turn to your own leadership style in all of this because of course people look to you uh, trust it, it starts in many ways you know, they, they, they people look around and think well can i trust this place or what are the more uh where, where the power lies you know uh, how are they being um what's been your own sort of journey recently 
Well, um, I never thought of myself as a leader, never imagined I would be a leader. I still find the term slightly strange. It feels like I'm more important or I'm not. Like we've all just got roles to do in the organisation. So I've never really thought of myself in that way. Um, but having the responsibility of, I guess, of not, well, actually the, the um, opportunity to not be in the day-to-day -day anymore and be able to kind of look at the whole structure and feel the responsibility for that, uh, I've done quite a lot of work on myself in order to try to be the best version of me that I can be. Um, learned a lot along the way, as everyone who has done this journey will do. Um, the sort of the biggest, so I'm not a, I've never been a sort of a shouter or a follow me, a military style, you know, sergeant major. That's just never, I just don't understand how that, help, how that helps really. Um, I'm much more into connecting with people and understanding with, you know, leading with empathy and trying to, you know, trying to help really be the, be the servant leader, just to be the support behind other people. Um, but the, some of the work that I've done around on, on me has led me to realize that um, the best version of a leader that anyone can be is the one that's most authentic to who they really are and not trying to be a leader because in a style that you think you should be because that's what a book says or because you know somebody who is that like that then you end up just copying slightly badly someone else um, whereas actually if you can embrace who you know the good and the bad in all of us then that's our unique even as a business like you want to you want to be the best kind of craziest version of who you really are because that sets you apart from your competition. And as a leader, I think the same is true. I just, I've realized that it's okay to be me and to try to work on what that actually looks like and double down on that. And then ideally you look at the vulnerabilities, the things you're not very good at and try and find your self support or backfill those roles with people who are better at those things than you are. And then as a sort of a leadership team, you've then got quite a, quite a strong bond and acquire you know professional output output um so that was a yeah that was a, a a big realization i think just be the best version of yourself i agree and it's nice how you put the sort of sergeant major continuum um up to the sort of servant leader continuum but actually in the midst of all that don't try and then be a type be what works for you whilst mm. obviously then developing some of those weaknesses into you know uh, developing our own learning edge all the time so we've had a coaching journey for for some time now you've been here to the woods uh, um, mm -hmm. and so forth um how how is that helping you i mean often people ask you know about well, what well, how does it, how does a coach help you know what, what you know what's that all about you know what what does it mean for you well um firstly i think everybody Everybody in the leadership position should have a coach, someone to sense check, put up a flat mirror. It's amazing when you, like a traditional coach, and I'll come to your style in a minute, Giles, if I may, because it is different. Um, traditional coaches, in my experience, uh, will hold you know a flat mirror up to you in terms of they'll ask you smart questions, hopefully, and then almost repeat the answers to you. And when you hear what you've said come back to you from someone else, you kind of sense whether it's sensible or not or you get a different perspective on it rather than just being voices in your own head so and then if you've got a good coach and they'll challenge you on some of that stuff as well and that is an opportunity for learning and growth and improved performance all those things i think it's kind of essential where uh, where you i think in my experiences differ is that you don't do the flat mirror thing so much you're much more sort of proactive in uh suggesting and coming up with ideas and challenging and being proactive around you know initiatives that we can implement in the in the organization or i can implement myself as as a human 
um, that kind of um, intuition and feeling the energy and um, and being able to being smart enough and experienced enough in business to to be able to combine those two things, I think is also quite a unique gift. There are there are some good energy readers out there who probably wouldn't have the uh, skills or experience to be able to do much in the professional environment with that information, but because you've got all that business background you've got um yeah perfect blend of yeah intuition and feeling in and knowing really good ideas of what to do with that in the business context so um, yeah, i'm really grateful for having been introduced to you and for our time together thank you that's lovely uh it's, it's an honor working with you i have to say and and it's, it's it's leaders like you and businesses like coffee and tv that help this whole regenerative journey because we kills we need case studies we need to be pointing at look here's a business that's profitable that's growing that's in a difficult environment that is actually taking this kind of authenticity um, self-managing uh, regenerative approach seriously so thank you for what you bring um, let's see if we can finish off with some tips any little tips that you might wish to help others with on the journey um yeah tips um I've got yeah a couple I guess maybe one would be um, that it always blows my mind that people centric businesses end up spending you know between fifty five and say seventy percent of all of their costs on people, and then kind of manage that cost base in a very peculiar way, um, trying to get much out of the people by giving as little to the people as possible and making them work let's say harder for some output that is then inferior to how it might have been if they'd not gotten involved. The whole thing just strikes me as as crazy. So knowing you know if you could um, let's say add ten percent to the productivity or the efficiency of your workforce by you know such a big contribution to the business and such a big cost base by actually just let, encouraging people to be themselves and giving them freedom and hiring well and trusting them to do that. Um, yes, sometimes someone might, you know, take the piss or, you know, phone in sick or with a hangover or something you know, that. I'm not saying that never happens, but overall compared to running a business in that way seems to be so much more effective than just trying to control everything through some weird lens. So that would be my first sort of encouragement rather than a tip. And I guess the second tip as a leader, um, what I've found most effective is really to for it not to be about you, uh, to get out of your own way because we all have our stories that from our let's say from our childhood, from part from the past experiences that you know we have we have traumas and baggage and good and bad that comes with us, and that's great that it flavors our our reality and how we interact with the world around us. Um, but a lot of the, in my experience, a lot of those stories that we tell ourselves can be quite limiting. Like I'm not good enough to do this. Um, I need to control, overly control this so that I feel like I'm in control. Um, so whatever the story is, um, it's, it's my own narrative. And I think if I can let go of that, get out of my own way and allow other people to be better than me, for me to be the best version of myself without my own limiting beliefs, just get out of your own way and, and let it be and let it let it go that feels like a really healthy and effective way it sounds like contradictorily but it sounds like an effective way to lead yeah and i agree with you i think there's so much here um around this sort of creating a foundation for accountability you know and and, and through trust through really um being authentic i mean it's actually not rocket science isn't it we're just inviting yeah. ourselves to show up as humans as more of who we are yeah but that itself requires a journey of us becoming more uh conscious yeah 
And it's surprising how hard that is. It's surprising how rare and hard that is because that we've all got that ability in us. It should be like kids in the playground had that in the beginning. And we've kind of lost that as we've grown up, haven't we? Yeah, we've sort of smashed it out of ourselves. And now we're having to sort of get re back into it. And the more examples and cases there are, like yourself, um, help others on that journey. So thank you very much for the work you do. It's a real honor to walk with you on this journey. Um, thank you very much, Derek, for this conversation today. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's been a pleasure. For more on Leading by Nature, you can follow me, Giles Hutchins, on LinkedIn and visit gileshutchins.com for free downloads of tools and practices for regenerative leadership and future fit business. Also, watch out for my latest book, Leading by Nature, The Process of Becoming a Regenerative Leader.